Let's do this. Let's talk about talk. Greetings and welcome to Talk About Talk. I'm your communication coach, Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please call me Andrea. Today, we're focusing on taking the stage, communication skills for leaders. Taking the stage is the name of one of the books written by our guest for this episode, communication skills guru, Judith Humphrey. I met Judith over a year ago on LinkedIn. Yes, I practice what I preach. I was networking on social media. Imagine. Given our common focus on communication skills, our paths crossed many times on LinkedIn. So we started chatting. Then we realized that we live less than a kilometer away from each other in Toronto, Canada. Judith took the time to hand deliver a few of her books to my house. I devoured them. Then I emailed her and invited her out for lunch. Judith was so generous with her insights and her advice that I asked her if I could interview her for this Talk About Talk podcast. And here we are. I have to warn you, this episode is dense. My conversation with Judith was so full of learning that I decided to split it into two episodes. This is good news. You're going to learn a lot, I promise. You're going to learn Judith's metaphor for the imposter syndrome. Here's a hint. It's a little character that sits on your shoulder. You're also going to learn a simple but highly effective script for leaders. You're going to learn about the positive and the negative side of self-promotion. You're going to learn how we should think about apologizing, when to apologize and when not to apologize. And you're going to learn some of the differences, yeah, the stereotypes regarding how men communicate versus how women communicate and a whole lot more. So much more, in fact, that, as I said, I decided to split this conversation into two episodes. Here's how it's going to work. I'm going to introduce Judith to you right now, and then we'll jump right into the first half of the interview. Then the next episode, episode number 95, will include the second half of our conversation, followed by my summary. As always, you don't need to take notes because I do that for you. If you go to talkabouttalk.com, click on podcasts, and then show notes, you'll see everything right there. A beautiful, concise summary. Links to all the references, books, articles, social media handles, and so on. And also the full transcript of our conversation. While you're checking out talkabouttalk.com, I encourage you to subscribe to the free communication skills newsletter. It's free. And it's kind of like getting free communication skills coaching from me in your inbox once a week. You can sign up quickly and easily on the talkabouttalk.com website, where you'll also find the show notes, and the archive of past episodes. So as I always say, just keep doing whatever you're doing, making dinner, walking the dog, or maybe you're just lying on the couch. You don't have to lift a finger to take notes because I do that for you. All right, let me introduce Judith Humphrey. Judith is a communications expert and founder of The Humphrey Group, a pioneer in the field of leadership communications. She established The Humphrey Group in 1988 And today, the firm works with clients globally, with offices in Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, and Mexico City. The Humphrey Group has a broad range of programs for leaders, including one called Taking the Stage, the firm's landmark program for women, which has been offered to women around the world in five languages and on all continents. Judith is also the author of three books, Speaking as a Leader, Taking the Stage, and Impromptu, Leading in the Moment. You can find links to these three books in the show notes for this episode. Judith is also a keynote speaker and a regular columnist for Fast Company with over 100 published articles to her name. 
and she's now writing her fourth book. Thank you so much, Judith, for joining us here today to talk about how leaders communicate. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'd love to get started with the mindset that we show up with when we're taking the stage, whether it's giving a speech or leading a big meeting or doing a presentation to investors. I'm curious about confidence specifically and whether you had imposter syndrome. I didn't realize it at the time, but my whole life I've grappled with the notion that I have a right to speak up. I have a right to be heard. And I remember when I was actually very young, I was in church and an older gentleman said to me, so how are you? And I started to reply and he looked away. And I thought, there's something here that I need to fix. Mm. And so my whole life I've been speaking up and speaking and watching people as they observe me and hear me. It's very, very important to me to feel that I have a voice in any discussion. And I've expressed my voice in various ways throughout my life. I was a violinist. I chose to play the violin and played on many stages when I was young. I went into communications, into English, and then became a speechwriter in my early days of career. I was actually an instructor also in the university, taught communications, and um, ultimately created a company that was designed to teach leaders how to communicate. So it sounds like you were, from the get-go, from a very young age, you were intrinsically motivated to ensure that you personally were being heard through these various media, right? Whether it's a musical instrument or your voice or your career impact. But then in your career, you evolved to actually encouraging other people to do the same thing. Yes, because I knew how important it was to me. So when I became a speechwriter, I thought this is such a powerful way of expressing myself through those speeches, but having those executives express themselves. And I really got tremendous joy out of being a speechwriter. I didn't care whether I was giving a speech. I just knew that Mm. my words were being expressed publicly. And it was very exciting to create those words that would be heard by large audiences. Wow. I I keep thinking when you describe that, I keep thinking of the word amplify. Yes. Yeah. Yes. When you write something on the page, it, it just stays there on the page until you have somebody express it. And then when, the, when it's a CEO, and I was writing for all CEOs, several banks, they would be speaking to large groups of employees or the public or clients. Some people actually told me, some speechwriters have told me they don't like to go to hear their speaker deliver their speeches. Oh. But I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I would too. I, yeah, I mean, I've provided input and coaching to people that are giving speeches, but I've never actually written an entire speech. So that, that I guess I got to put that on my to-do list. I read in one of your books that your college boyfriends called you a modern woman. And I, I put that in quotes. And <laughs> does that mean that you were always confident? Back to the imposter syndrome thing. Sure, I had a little voice inside my head, as we all do, that would say, don't speak up. You're not as good as the other people in the room. I mean, for example, when I was in college, I was in a university where there were a lot of um, prep school grads, the women. It was a women's college, and a lot of the women had gone to private schools. I had gone to public school. So they were very assured. 
And they would raise their hand and raise their cigarette <laughs> and talk endlessly and feel so confident doing that. I wasn't. I didn't have that confidence. So what I did is I made a resolve that I would speak up once in every class. Mm. And I did that. And at first it was difficult, but it got easier and easier. And I think that's the, the message I would leave about this. The more you speak up, the more confident you'll become. I agree a hundred percent. In one of my previous podcast episodes focused on confidence, I share the story about me having an epic failure at a national sales meeting that I gave a speech at when I was probably 25, maybe 26. It was, it was, it was horrific. And from that moment on, I made a promise to myself that that would never happen again. And I would seek opportunities to do public speaking so that I would accumulate experience and overcome it. And I would say that it it does work. So I agree 100%. And And that preparation is so important. I mean, when I talk about the imposter syndrome uh, in my book, Taking the Stage, and, and I don't actually refer to it as the imposter syndrome. I refer to it as the inner crow cackling away, mm-hmm. um, telling us we're not good enough to speak up, to be heard, to be listened to. And so when I talk about that syndrome, I say there are a number of things you can do to counteract it. First, recognize that it's not you. You know, that voice inside you saying sit down or don't speak up is your socialization. Yep. It's something we've been taught to believe about ourselves, but we don't have to believe it. Mm. And we need to acknowledge it as something different, as something that's not really us. And it doesn't reflect our capabilities. That's the first thing. The second thing, with that voice inside you, that you can call it the imposter voice, you need to talk back to it, see it for what it is, mm. and say, no, I'm not going to listen to that voice. It's not me. It's not real. It's nothing I need to carry with me through life. And the third thing, to to pick up on your point, you need to prepare. You need to put time into preparing whatever you do. Whether it's um, offering a point of view at a meeting, if you can prepare that the night before, think about the fact that you want to raise that point. It's, It's great to prepare it, write it down, jot it down in bullet points, and learn it, mm-hmm. rehearse it out loud. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a speech, do the same. So you're prepared so that when you walk up to the podium, let's say it's a formal speech, you can say, I am ready, I am good, this is going to be great. And you leave that imposter syndrome behind. Oh, that is beautiful. I, I love all of that advice. I love your metaphor of the inner crow. <laughs> I can see this black crow sitting on my shoulder and I'm swatting it away, right? Like it, it makes it something as to use the term, you, you're labeling it and mm. rejecting it. As another. Yeah. It's another. It's not you. It's that black crow on your shoulder. We hear it, but it's outside us. I love that. It reminds me also, I recently read a fantastic book. I don't know if you read it. It's called Chatter by Ethan Cross. And it's about our inner dialogue or monologue. And it's, it's about our self-talk. And he recommends that we actually talk to ourselves in third person, actually based oh. on research. So if you said, 
Judith, push that inner crow away, <laughs> then it's almost like you're taking, uh, you know, a mind's eye view, or it's almost like you're coaching yourself or someone else is coaching you. Yeah. So saying it in third person. And, and I, I, so I think we could combine those two, right? And that's say, great. Judith, that's the crow. Push the crow out of your mind or push the crow off your shoulder. Yeah, that's a great yeah. suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's some power in that. So you spoke a little bit about taking opportunities to present yourself, whether it's giving a speech. And, and I, I shared my experience after my epic fail of trying to do that. In your book, you talk about seizing opportunities to shine and showing up. Can you talk about what some of these opportunities may be? I mean, there's, there's the obvious ones, right? There's giving the speech at the national sales meeting, but when else might we seize the opportunity to shine? Any opportunity where you're in front of an audience is an opportunity to shine. So it could be the, the sales conference. It could be um, taking on a special project, a high-profile project, volunteering for that, not waiting for someone to come to you and say, would you do this? Speaking up at meetings. I think meetings obviously are the most constant item in our business lives. And speaking up at a meeting, and as I mentioned I did in classes and yep. undergraduate, forcing myself to speak up at least once in every class. The same thing could be true. Speak up at least once in every meeting. And know that you're going to do that before you go into the meeting and think about what you might say. Uh, speaking up in conversations, even casual conversations, where the discussion is one you feel you can make a contribution to. Mm -hmm. Speaking to your boss, if you feel your job, for example, uh, needs to be redefined in some way, or you feel you're ready for another job, speak up, speak to your boss, go to your boss, prepare to make your case. Every day is full of opportunities. I actually interviewed people for my last book, Impromptu, and I asked about 20 executives, how many times a day would you have an opportunity to speak up impromptu and they said anywhere between 19 and 25 mm -hmm. even at the end of a zoom call you could say do you have a moment if you want to speak to somebody about a particular topic that's a great suggestion mm -hmm. yeah so you don't need to let other people define your agenda say do you have a moment if it's your boss or a colleague or someone you want to work with Introduce that idea that there's something more that you have to offer. Mm -hmm. The day is full of opportunities. Mm -hmm. It is. So that relates to the next question I wanted to ask you, which is about demonstrating leadership potential. And you talked about maybe proactively suggesting to your manager or to your boss about how your job might be redefined, or maybe suggesting that you're ready for the next step. Yes. And I know from talking to my clients that many of them say that their boss has given them the feedback that they need to demonstrate leadership potential. Do you have any advice about <laughs> how people can do that? Well, first of all, if my boss said, I need to develop leadership or demonstrate leadership potential, I might ask myself, is this someone who just wants to keep me in my present job? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because there are a lot of reasons why our bosses don't want us to leave. If we're doing a great job and we go to our boss and ask for a promotion or ask for a new assignment, the boss might well say, well, you first have to develop leadership potential, meaning I'm not interested in elevating you. So mm -hmm. you have to find out whether that's a genuine 
comment or whether it's disguising your boss's reluctance to move you. Yeah, that, that is fantastic advice. That's not what I was expecting you to say, but I, I think that's really true. If you really soul search for what the reason is that they would say that to you, is it because you genuinely haven't demonstrated that potential? Or is it because there's an expectation within the organization that there's a two-year tenure before anyone can get promoted? You know, yeah. and so I think clarifying that. So if a boss genuinely says to you, I'd like you to demonstrate leadership potential first, you say, so what leadership opportunities are you going to give me? Mm -hmm. I'd like an opportunity to shine in a leadership role. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to lead a project. Yep. I'd like to lead a team. I'd like... Yeah. So yeah. increasing my responsibility in some way. It could be a yeah. team. And I have, I have a list of suggestions that you, you could lead a team. You could lead an initiative, a, a project, a new product launch. Um, you could, you could exactly. even lead meetings, right? You could lead exactly. status meetings um, yeah. on a weekly basis or you something could. like that. So. so I think that's a very good question. I yeah. think also you, develop, you demonstrate leadership potential by doing a great job with every project you have, by making sure that everything is delivered on time, on budget, uh, according to the terms of that project. Yeah. So you become a very reliable person within that organization. Yeah. And you also show very strong communication skills. That's really important for leadership. And communication skills that not only are directed to your boss, but to everybody all your colleagues on the team, so. That is a beautiful segue to the leader's script, which ah. you talk about in your book. Can you share with the listeners what, what is the leader's script? At the heart of all of my training and my three books, Speaking as a Leader, Taking the Stage, and Impromptu, at the heart of all of my intellectual property is this template it's called the leader's script. And it actually goes back to my university days when I was teaching students how to write. And as you all know, when you learn how to write an essay, you learn to have a thesis and then develop that thesis. But that doesn't seem to be known in the business world. Yeah. So when people write, whether it's a speech or a presentation or an off-the-cuff remark, there seems to be no clear structure, no purpose, no message, no point. How many times do we listen to people speaking and we're saying, what is the point? Yeah. <laughs> Get to the point, please. Yeah. So my training is based on the leader's script. And the leader's script is a template for designing whatever you're saying, whether it's impromptu or whether it's a presentation or whether it's a speech, designing it around a message. And there are actually four dimensions of the leader's script. The starting point is a grabber. You always want to start with a bridge to your audience. Grab your audience's attention. Show that you've heard them. Show you've heard the question. So there's the grabber. Then you come to your point, framed, so that people understand that's your idea. That's what you want to get across. Here's my message, you could say, or my point is. Or so you're very, sorry to interrupt, you're very explicit about very. this is my point. Because okay. otherwise people yeah. just hear it as one other sentence in a yeah. larger document. Yeah. So my message is, or my view is, or my point is, or here's what I feel, or here's what I think, here's what I believe is even stronger. Yeah. One sentence. We should move ahead with this project. That would be a message. Or 
I need a leadership opportunity. Right. So a message is crisp, short and to the point. And then the next part of the leader script is persuasion. It's taking that message and saying, how can I best develop it? One way would be giving reasons. So three or four reasons why you believe you'd like an opportunity to prove your leadership potential. Or ways, ways that your boss might deliver on that request. So the boss might give you a team to oversee, might give you a project, might give you a high-profile event to host. So there are many ways, but those are ways. So you can develop that message with ways. You can develop other messages chronologically. Mm -hmm. So over time, let's say you're in a job interview and somebody says, so how do you see your career evolving over the next 10 years if you're hired? Then you say, well, to begin with, and then and then um, by the third year, and then by the 10th year. Right. So it's chronological development. So those are some of the patterns of organization. You can also use, there's a final pattern that I think is very important, and that is situation response. If someone said to you, so, so tell us how you solve the problem, a typical interview question, you say, well, the problem I solved was this, and then you describe the problem. Right. And when you finish that, then you say, and here's the solution I brought about, or I and my team brought out, brought about. So that's situation response or problem solution. So those are all patterns of organization that can develop your message. So, so far we have the grabber, the message, and then what I call the structure or the proof points. Yep. The final part of the leader's script is a call to action. Call to action is something all great speakers use to end their speeches. Uh, John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That was part of his call to action Mm -hmm. in his inaugural speech. When you're in a meeting, your call to action might be, let's say the meeting with your boss in which you've asked for a leadership opportunity. You can say, so will you be willing to give me a leadership opportunity? Or so I look forward to a new leadership opportunity. You, You want to really close on a high. Even if you're in a job interview, you don't want to end with ambiguity. You want to end by saying, I, I look forward to the prospect of being hired by your company. Mm-hmm. It would be great to be in this role. And so that would be a call to action because you're describing the action you want to happen next. Yeah. So that's the leader's script, four parts. Grabber, message, proof points or structure, and call to action. I love it. It sounds a little bit like an outline for an essay that we would have learned in English class and you're nodding your head. It absolutely is, but you're right. It is uncommon. And I love how explicit it is, right? You have the grabber and then you declare your main message or your main point, right? And then you support it and then you ask for what you want or what you need, right? You close it out with a call to action. I'm going to Leave that outline in the show notes for the listeners because I always say to them, you don't need to take notes when you're listening to the podcast because everything's there for you. But I'm also going to leave links to the books so they can read more about that in detail. It's fantastic. I I love mostly how explicit it is. It's It's very explicit. Yeah. And it's scalable too. Right. So if you think about it, it can be stretched out for Mm -hmm. a full speech. Right. Or it can be compressed for a short impromptu comment in a meeting. Right. 
You know, but when you hear people that are worthy of being listened to, what do they have? They have those components. They grab our attention, they make a point, they prove their point, they ask for action. And really, when you think about it, that call to action is the translating your leadership message into activity, mm-hmm. into something that has consequence. Mm-hmm. So I found it to be very powerful, and yep. people really love it. And that seems like a great place to end this episode, the leader's script. Leaders grab our attention. They make a point. They prove their point, And they ask for action. As Judith says, this leader's script is the heart of each of her books, impromptu, speaking as a leader, and taking the stage. I encourage you to check out those books in the show notes for this episode on the talkabouttalk.com website. And while you're there, I really hope you'll sign up for the Talk About Talk newsletter. This is your chance to get free communication skills coaching from me every week in a simple-to-digest weekly email. Just go to talkabouttalk.com to sign up or email me directly and I'll add you to the list. Not only will you get free communication skills training, you'll also get reminders about upcoming episodes, like the next episode, number 95, which includes the second half of my conversation with Judith, plus a summary. I'm going to summarize for you many of the key learnings, including how to talk back to that nasty crow sitting on your shoulder, how to think about apologies, and lots of communication differences between men and women. So until then, maybe try out the leader's script. Do you remember what it is? There are four dimensions. The grabber, the proof point, the structure, and call to action. Got it? You can do this. Swat that crow off your shoulder and amplify your message. All right, thanks for listening and talk soon.